Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Vikings. I'm your host, Dustin Baker, here with Brian McKinney, Ron Saw, Cora from Woodbury, and that's the group for tonight. Sally is off. We're going to talk about some Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley draft stuff, perhaps how Kane and Wangu might be used in this Vikings offense this year. Check on uh, what McKinney's been up to and then talk about some possible trade scenarios that the Vikings might encounter. That is on the docket for Believe in Vikings on the first one of April. Um, but as always, we're going to talk about betonline.ag, who is our sponsor. Looking to wager on anything NFL prop bets for the draft or for the, the future season, the 2022 regular season, head on over to betonline.ag on your desktop, your mobile devices, sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit or use the promo code BLEAV. That's BLEAV. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's uh, favorite Vegas casino and other poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everybody is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. The NFL draft is three weeks away, and that's what's on folks' minds, at least from a gridiron standpoint. Uh, Today, Derek Stingley from LSU, his pro day occurred, and he looks good as new after an injury that could have been potentially hazardous. He looks the part, and some say he's the best player in the draft, period, let alone some dude who could fall to the Vikings. So I'm going to start with Ron um, throughout this mock draft cycle, which has lasted arguably since December when the Vikings kind of fell by the wayside, it's either, for the most part, been Ahmad Garner, Sauce, or Derek Stingley. And now it appears those two dudes might be too good uh, to be available. What's your take? Do you think that is pre-draft hype, or do you think they'll be available for Minnesota? Um, well, you know, I guess I'll cover my bases and I'll say a little bit of both because I think they are too good to be available, but Mm -hmm. I think the way that the draft usually plays out, it's never how the, all these experts mock it. Um, So while yes, there are teams in the top, you know, 11, that would be cornerback needy. There's also more significant needs that they may have. So um, I can very well see them both being gone by the time the Vikings pick, which I would hate because these are the two guys that I absolutely would love. Um, they fill a need and they'd be best player available. So um, I want them there or one of them. Um, and now as far as who it is, um, I know Sauce has kind of 
skyrocketed up the boards as of late. Um, obviously he's got the size, I think, you know, six, two, six, three, um, and the physicality and the numbers don't lie. You know, I know he played at Cincinnati, but when you don't allow a touchdown, <laughs> um, in your entire college career, um, you know, there's something to be said about that. You're still, you know, college athletes out there that you're going against. And they were one of the best teams in the nation this year while they did get um, dominated in the in the playoff. But um, for me, Stingley, I think, is the better prospect. Um, you go back to his freshman year. Um, he was the best player on the field a lot of times. Um, and that even when you watch pre- or see highlights of them in practice and stuff, and they would talk about it. And that was with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So um, now... Again, um, I'm hoping that one of them is available, but at this point, I'm not confident as I would have been um, a few months ago. Cora, I know you said that you're not an elite draft mind, but undoubtedly you've seen the smoke from Sauce and Sting. Do you have a preference? Do you think they'll be there? What's the deal? Um, I I don't think they'll be there. Um, but if they were, if they both were, I probably would do Stingley, I guess, just purely for the fact that, you know, LSU and mm-hmm. apparently there's the rumor going around that he wants to be on a team with Patrick Peterson. I don't know how true that is. That could just be Vikings hyping it up. But um, I mean, he's I, he came out as, you know, super hot and then he had the injuries and then he just didn't really play super great last year was it just last year or was it last year or the year before he um two years ago so he was a freshman in 19 um and then a lot of people say if he would have came out then he could have been the number one overall pick um then covid year happened i think he was an opt-out and then last okay. year he got hurt with the the liz frank injury so um injuries have been really the concern but yeah when he's been on the field he's been absolutely dominant in the sec yeah and i don't know i feel like um whoever we get from LSU has just been really good. So (laughs) no, that's true. Uh, I I dug in. That's my expert opinion on this. Yeah, I dug into it. And the last LSU dudes that have been chosen are Justin Jefferson, Daniil Hunter and Henry Thomas. And that's 35, uh, see 40 or yeah, 35 years. So yeah, they, they get some good dudes through there. Uh, Bryant, I know, I don't know if you follow the draft too closely. Do you, uh, or do you just follow the Miami dudes? Did you hear me, B Mac? Yeah, could you hear me? I didn't hear your response. Oh, just the Miami guys, man. Yeah. I don't really follow other schools like that. Oh, okay. No, that's fair. Um, yeah, the Vikings kind of have a long-term need for cornerback and edge rusher. And the two dudes that they want are Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley. And suddenly those guys have had such fabulous pre-draft processes that but they might not be there for the Vikings. So that's what we're kind of spitballing out loud here. Now, BMAC, like as we've kind of touched on with mock drafts and stuff and leading up to that, when you were coming into the league, um, did you pay any attention to that, what experts were saying? Or did you – I mean, I, obviously you were at the top of the list essentially of uh, offensive linemen, so they're probably – maybe where you were going to end up was the only question, but you knew that you, if your name wasn't called first for O-line, you were going to be right up there. So, but did you pay attention to that either to look at your teammates or, or any other teams to see like, Hey, like while yes, the Vikings took you, but Hey, maybe if I fall to like 12 or so, I don't know who was picking 12, but maybe they're a Super Bowl contending team right off the bat. Did that cross your mind at all? Or did you just go through it from your end um, as a player would? 
I kind of went through it based on where they, they see me going. Like, I remember it was like Buffalo, then it was San Diego. Um, so I thought it was going to be like one of those two places, actually. And then I ended up going to Minnesota. So I kind of like thought about like the weather and what players was on those teams, you know, things like that. I had always seen myself in the top 10, so I didn't really look, you know, too far past the top 10. Because um, Julius Peppers and I were ranked number one and two, but it, it kind of went on a team's need. So if a team doesn't need offensive linemen, they're not, you know, Right. Take one. So that's what kind of what it is with these players too. These two guys who just because they're ranked one or two doesn't mean that you want to go one and two. It's based on, you know, what the team needs in those positions. And then from your experience as a player on those teams, when the draft came rolling around, I know we've asked you about it in the past, like, and you've said that they don't talk to any players on the team or whatnot, but at that point, are you looking at things like, Hey, we have a chance to get either a former teammate or, or something like that, where it's like, Hey, I would like to have a left guard next to me, you know, pre Hutchinson. Um, and then looking at it that way, or do you just, again, kind of, you're going to remember doing your job. I remember there was a point, it was a rumor that Calais Campbell was going to come to the Vikings when he was in the draft. Yeah. So I was kind of pushing and hoping, you know, he would because I had never had like another fellow hurricane with me at the Vikings. So I looked at for certain people I did. And like when we got Adrian Peterson, I was happy. Some people I was happy because I knew of them while they were in college. And some people, you know, I was just pushing for because they went to Miami as well. <laughs> Yeah, on uh, so I, I I'm with you, Ron. That based on talent, how they've performed combine pro day, Gardner and Stingley should not be there. Um, but I tweeted this about an hour ago, and I've been thinking about it a lot. If you look at the Jag, these are the teams that are ahead of the Vikings: the Jaguars, the Lions, the Texans, the Jets, the Giants, the Panthers, the Giants again, the Falcons, the Seahawks, the Jets, and the Commanders. All of those teams either need a quarterback or a wide receiver, and that is what drives the league right now in terms of. Ticket sales, revenue, watchability is playmakers from the quarterback to wide receiver. So I, I ordinarily, you know, 10 years ago, let's say, I'd be like, oh, no, those dudes are as good as gone. But I, I really think that there's going to be some pizzazz where some of these wide receivers like Garrett Wilson or Drake London, they go earlier than mock drafts prophesized because they're wide receivers. And I think every time a quarterback like Pickett or Willis goes off the board, that means that the Vikings marinating at 12 get closer to the promised land if that's indeed who who you want. So Miley, if they drop a few, would the Vikings trade up to try and get them? I don't see, I mean, that's certainly available to entertain, but I think the rule of thumb is you don't trade up unless it's for a quarterback. And like, I think where they're at in 12 um, there's so much talent um, in this draft, like through the top 16 or so, where you're going to get an impact player. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that to me, that top 16 doesn't include a quarterback, and I think mm-hmm. that will be the wild card. While what are teams – like, obviously, yes, it's a quarterback-driven league. Malik Willis obviously showed his arm strength, and he has the mobility. Uh, but every quarterback in this draft is deemed a prospect – or is a project, and – will there be a team that takes that gamble? Like the Lions at two, like, are they going to like roll the dice or trade back or use the pick 32? So for me, I'm looking at it and, um, you know, I think there'll be three left tackle or offensive tackles taken, um, you know, with cross, um, 
Evan Neal, and then um, the NC State guy. I think those three will be gone. Mm-hmm. Kyle Hamilton will be a wild card who I would also be very happy if he was on this team. Um, again, mm-hmm. you can't teach size, right? BMAC, <laughs> a 6'4 safety, you know, like being a 6'8 left tackle, you can't teach the size and, the, and athleticism. So just roll the dice with that. Um, but there's between that and then the edge rushers, obviously, um, with Thibodeau, um, Hutchinson, uh, Walker has, you know, kind of moved up. And then Johnson, out of Florida State, he's a guy that's a wild card as well. There's so much talent at key positions in edge rusher, um, you know, offensive lineman. And I think what you'll, what, and this is again, I have no steam on it, just hypothetical, looking at how wide receivers are getting paid right now and how over the past few years they've come in and been impactful right off the bat, namely Jefferson, Jamar Chase, you know, CD Lamb, these guys. I think there will be um, some of that there's always that overreaction and knee-jerk reaction to, to events and all these receivers getting paid. I think there's going to be teams up there, whether it is the Jaguars, um, you know, the Jets who are, they're going to look at it and, hey, rather than trading for these guys that may be available, let's take a young guy to pair with our young quarterback and then not have to worry about paying them in the first four or five years so we have some time. So I think whether it's Wilson, Olave, or, um, you know, Drake London and Jameson Wilson, or Williams being the wild card um, with the AC. CL, um, I think you might see three of those guys be taken before 12 again, just because this is a, it's a copycat league and teams are going to look at those receivers that you hit on. And a lot of these guys are being viewed as those kind of can't miss prospects. Um, and I think there's going to be teams that are like, we don't want to pay a receiver $30 million if we don't know we have a quarterback to go with it. So let's try to get one of these, you know, quote unquote studs in the draft and then because of the depth at, at the edge rusher cornerbacks, maybe they'll look in the second round. Um, again, that's just me theorizing um, and trying to look at it as just a, you know, not a Vikings fan, but as a, the way the NFL draft may play out. And other than the, the three tackles, um, Hutchinson, um, Walker, and Thibodeau, I, I think those are six locks in the top 12. The rest is pretty much a wild card. Yeah, and then the other side of that is if indeed uh, Sauce and Stingley do go, then that means, in theory, uh, for the Vikings at 12, uh, on the other side, if they wanted a piece of Garrett Wilson or Malik Willis or one of those, then it's it's the balancing act that um, the 12 spot is is dazzling because you're going to get something that Ron says is going to you know make an impact right away. So I think that's the the that's the, the two sides of the debate, and we shall see because it's only three weeks away. Uh, one of the other things I want to touch on uh, this evening as we get off the bat is it seems like the kick return, Kenny and Wangu. Seems like a forgotten man this offseason because <laughs> it's been so heavy on the Kirk extension and, uh, you know, just Jefferson being so damn good as he is and then Thielen's restructure that I wanted to know from the panel, do we think he'll be used in the offense because of his athleticism and speed, or is he? Will he just be this this phenomenal kick returner? Cora, what's your what's your take on Ingwangu? I would love to see him use kind of like how they use Jet Jarrett McKinnon, and just like use him as just someone to make a splash. Um, I know that obviously when um, Case Keenan was playing, it was a he was a, more of an integral part of the offense, but I just would love to see him just play around and you know because he's super fast i think they will use him more than just a punt returner but that's 
I just like him because he's. I went to an Iowa State game and saw him play. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's well, that's that's more. That's all that you need. And then he landed up on ended up on your favorite team, right? Uh, yeah. The only thing that holds me back from you know thinking this is a slam dunk or a gung ho thing is he's an RB three. So let's face it, he's not going to get a lot of carries unless Madison or Cook is hurt. So and then when you put him in the game, it's kind of like well, everybody knows where the ball's going. So that's why. That's why I fear just a little bit that uh, he might not have a humongous role. But then I look at the positive side. It's like, well, you'd be silly not to try to exploit this talent. Ron, what say you? Well, you know, I think when you have that bell cow back in Dalvin, um, it's hard to take snaps away from him in lieu of a, a another running back. Uh, but I actually do see it more likely that Wang Wu does get an opportunity um, not saying he's going to overtake Madison for that RB two spot, but I think if Cook goes down with an injury, Madison's the starter. But I think with that rare speed, that track speed that that Wang Wu has, I think they'll find ways to at least get him a few touches a game um, outside of kick returns. Um, whether that's I don't know about how his pass protection is so i am not going to say that he's a third down back in this league um because dalvin is one of the best pass protectors in the league um out of the running back spot so um again in that spelling action he'll uh, i think he'll get a lot more run um if you look at the rams and kind of how they've operated um, over the past few years um they've kind of been a running back by committee even um you know up until cam Akers you know, establish himself. I know he then got hurt, but then when he came back this year, um, it was always, whether it was Henderson and then um, Malcolm Brown and like, they've always went with the hot hand, um, but they would put them in situations to succeed. And I think, um, you know, Kevin O'Connell will have that foresight to be like, look, we have this speed. We're going to find ways to get the ball in his hands. Um, Now, I don't know if that's going to mean anything, but you know, again, you can't teach that four to whatever speed. Um, and obviously you saw it on the field when he was a, a returner last year. Yeah. I think that they'll fold him in more so than uh, Zimmer and Clint would have uh, just, again, I always circle back to, well, God, how much can you actually use an RB three that we don't really know if he catches the ball out of the backfield. But I think that inevitably there will be some sort of injury where, where he'll get a chance. And then uh, you were talking about Madison. I want to point out to the listeners, this is probably Madison's last year with the team. So uh, yep. be, be cognizant of that. He will, he will probably sign on for a, a decent contract elsewhere, maybe land a W or an RB one job. If he gets some starting time this season, but yeah, this is, there's, there's a list of dudes that are probably in their final year with the Vikings. And he's one of them. Uh, BMAC, we talked about three or four weeks ago about uh, this is completely switching tides for the conversation about your translation um, enterprise and all that. And we've been seeing some stuff from Instagram. I wanted to, what's an update on your life? How you been big man? Um, it's taking a lot of zoom calls and meetings for that. Trying to get out there like big corporations um, that are owned by Comcast. So that's kind of been my life the last month. Yeah, and is that like a like the type of dedication, a job job? Like where you're always this is like a lot of right now we're like an accelerator program, so we just learn like a lot of technique and and things like far like storytelling, just to sell like your product and stuff like that. But we just renewed with the NFL. We're looking to do more um, actual live translation for the for the games this upcoming season. So I just found that out today. So I mean that's a good thing. Okay, and it's has it been fun? The process. I mean, the process for us is easy on our end, so it's not even hard. But it's, it's needed though. So to build up a bigger fan base where people can understand 
you know, things in multiple languages, it gives people like a better, um, a bigger audience. Okay. And then uh, last week you were, you were in Texas, correct? What, what was going on there? Yeah, we were in Texas for the um, accelerator program um, through Comcast. And we were meeting with PGA Golf, NASCAR, WWE. Those guys were able to go to WrestleMania. I guess it was on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I had to travel back to Miami to um, MC an event. But um, we met with all the decision makers out there. They're all under Comcast. So that's what Comcast kind of gives us that position to meet with those guys first. But then my company's also got Bojangles because I'm friends with the CEO. The CEO, <laughs> he went to University of Miami. So <laughs> nice. we just... You know, we stayed together there, so I gave him a call, let him know what was going on. Once he's seen that, we um, partnered with Comcast, and he was interested. So we eventually want to start doing it to the, um, you know, when you do the um, the drive-through. Mm, but yeah. the drive-through, we want to be able to translate it through that as well soon. So we're going to work. We're working on that. That's awesome. <laughs> Speaking another language, but it'll come through in whatever the device setting is on the earphones for the. Um, for the cashier or whatever. So we're working on that. Oh yeah. That's sweet. Okay. All right. Well, let's pivot back Ron to the Viking stuff. So one of the, uh, let's see, who was it? Was it pro football network talked about the realism of the Vikings potentially trading with the chargers either before the draft or probably on draft night, because the chargers right now have the 17th pick and their right tackle is storm Norton, formerly a Minnesota Viking. And he isn't very good. Uh, <laughs> he is decent run blocker, but a poor pass protector. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Uh, so they, the chargers are probably looking to upgrade at tackle. And especially if one of those uh, men like cross fall out of the top 10, they might seize the moment. And, uh, and uh, what a trade might look like there is the Vikings would trade five spots back kind of like last year when they slid nine stocks to tops back and sacrifice the 12th pick, but get the 17th and probably a second rounder, which is the 57th. Um, do if sauce and Stingley aren't there, does that tickle your fancy or do you want to get the impact dude at number 12, no matter, no matter what? So yes, it, this is contingent on Sauce and Stingley not being there, or it's Sauce Stingley and Hamilton for me. I think okay. those are the three that um, at twelve that if any one of them are there, I'm happy with either either of them. Um, now the the other option that I would absolutely or would want if those three aren't there, Jordan big man Jordan Davis um I think you could drop back a few spots and get him. Um, so I'm all for dropping back a few spots, getting that additional draft capital because the second and third round, there's uh, some quality talent there, especially when you look at cornerback, when you look at edge rushers, you can build depth pretty quickly, like especially if you then have what, we have 45 and then 57 or whatever it is. Um, That could get you, you know, whether it's um, what Nick Benito or, uh, you know, the the South Carolina kid, I can't think of his name, Um, but there's, there's a lot of guys out there that could be added to this team. Even a name that I have really liked, um, Darian Beavers, the linebacker out of Cincinnati. Um, so now I know we signed Jordan Hicks, but you know, in a three, four defense, you can never have too many big body guys. Um, so, uh, I'm all for dropping back. Now I also don't think just moving back to 17 that, the second round pick alone is going to be enough. I think there's going to have to be more in that. And my 
basis on that is just over the past couple of years when the Steelers moved up to, from, I think it was 20 to 10 to draft Devin Bush. Um, there were, there was more than just a second round pick in there. And then even last year, I know it was for a quarterback, but the bears moving up 10 spots. Um, there was an additional first. Now I'm not saying we need a future first out of it, but if there's a player there that the chargers are willing to trade up for, um, it's going to, I mean, the Vikings and chargers have a lot of similar holes. Um, Mm -hmm. let's just say, so if the chargers are looking at it, like, Hey, we're going to, we want to trade up for this guy. I think the Vikings would be hard pressed to move back, um, without it making or without it being a King's ransom type situation. Um, because like I said, I've mentioned there's 16 players that I feel like are going to be step in and be day one starters and impact players. So you move to 17, unless there's a quarterback or two taken, you might not get one of those guys and you may have more of a developmental type project, um, which, you know, is always good, but give me a guy that, at least you identify as uh, a can't miss. Cora, the other one in not necessarily this scenario, but the chiefs have the 29th and the 30th pick. And based on the uh, famous trade calculators, the draft trade calculators, that would be a, probably a fair exchange 29 and 30 for the Vikings 12th. Uh, Would you pull the trigger there or do you want to stay put at 12? And no, I, a part of me leans towards yes. Cause that's, I mean, that's two first round picks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's two really good people. <laughs> um, and I mean, I don't know where people are going to fall. I'm not entirely sure on, you know, I know we need, I know our needs and whatnot, but I would definitely strongly consider that. Um, I would lean towards saying yes, especially if um, Sauce and Stingley aren't there. Um, yeah, I'd say go for it. Yeah, because the Chiefs are in a spot where they just traded Tyreek Hill, and they're for now um, trying to compensate for the loss of him with Juju Smith, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Miko Hardman, and Josh Gordon, which probably is serviceable, but they're so accustomed to this uh, this way of living with uh, you know, such a pronounced speed demon and deep threat in Hill that it might be too appealing for them to get up into the mix to get Drake London or James Williams or Garrett Wilson. So I think that trade is plausible because then all of a sudden the Vikings would have two first rounders on five-year contracts that are, you know, that's the whole reason that they traded back into yes. the first round. What was it in 2014 to get Bridgewater? So they could use that fifth year option to evaluate the prospects. So I think well, and then on, on top of that, and I don't know how, um, what's what I'm trying to say. I don't know how the contracts are going to pan out, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of money coming out after Kirk Cousins extension is done. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think that they're going to go for a quarterback next year. And if we, you know, have two picks that are, that are really good players that are low on the cap hit. I mean, mm-hmm. that just it, makes me <laughs> think it more if they yeah. trade back there. <laughs> yeah. You start My, to- uh, 
Uh, just my only caution for that is um, first round picks always look like when you say multiple first round picks on it, um, they're they're great and all until you a lot of times put a name to it. And, you know, I look at the NBA as a perfect example, like where, you know, a player gets traded for three first round picks. But when you put the name Josh Okogi to that in, at pick 20, doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, in the NFL is different because it's obviously you have 22 starters and whatnot. But if you look at just kind of the history of the draft. Now I know there's the anomalies with Lamar Jackson being 32, you know, even Teddy Bridgewater, you know, was a qual like before he tore up his knee quality, you can get quality guys there, but at 29 and 30, but in moving back and to do that, you're losing in my mind again, and my draft knowledge is nothing when we have Jordan Reed on, we can talk to him about it. <laughs> uh, but you're moving from now, that potential again impact starter into all right fringe starters maybe high-end backups and you know you look at the drop off at every position whether it's now you know the Chris Olaves of the world they're not there now you're looking at well is it Christian Watson the North Dakota State kid is he like so there's a, a for me an immense drop off with that and whether it's you now moving five spots I think you can be in a good and and getting in my uh, Rick Spielman mode, it's you move back five, then you can always move back another five, and you know you keep going back from there. Uh, but for me to Get move 10 from 12, seventh round picks, <laughs> exactly. But for me to move from twelve to twenty nine or thirty, um, or to twenty nine and thirty, like there's gonna be there's gonna need to be a lot more to that because at that point, then are you taking the safety, um, you know, or are you uh, what is it, safety out of Georgia, um, or you know, hoping someone else falls. Um, now, you know, Justin Jefferson's don't grow on trees, but, uh, um, you know, it's, it's more of a crap shoot at that spot. And I, that's what I would concern about just stockpiling first hey, round picks late first on the spot here. I fact checked you and, uh, you're correct for the most part. So I, I went all the way back to 2010 and scaled it through the most recent draft 2021, so at, at, at exactly that 29th and 30th spot. Um, so what would that be? 20, 22, 24 dudes. Uh, the five best players are Harrison Smith, TJ Watt, Muhammad Wilkerson, Alex Ogletree, and Cordell Patterson. And then after that, you have Jimmy Ward, Demarius Randall, uh, David Joku. So yeah, there, there, there's only about five guys from those exact spots in the last, uh, see 12 drafts that you'd be like oh okay so yeah and it's so with that nba example it's extremely on point because you'll recall when when the lakers traded some of their uh first round draft stock to get anthony davis it was like well who cares it's going to be the 30th right. pick in the nba draft like that that guy doesn't do shit so right. yeah i think i think it does tumble it's really the allure for adafo mensa if he believes he's the guy that can identify that talent because also with your mentality, that would mean the second round is just a horse, like just as shit. And usually it's not. Um, so you, you that's have where, to, you have to trust your scouts. Yeah. And that's where I'm more like, I'm all about like, you know, throwing darts at the wall, but um, I don't want to take away, you know, my hammer of a, of a dart at 12 to move back for multiple, like in Spielman mode, I would rather take that second and additional draft capital to move back up a la the Teddy Bridgewater trade or, you know, like the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, find that guy that you identify as a, a first round pick and he, they're slipping. Then you go up and get them rather than waiting. You know, last year we got lucky with Derisaw, like when <laughs> you trade back all those spots and, uh, 
you know, they, you're lucky that the Colts didn't snag him or, you know, the, some, one of those teams ahead of us. So, um, or the Titans is what I was thinking of. Um, so that just fell into our laps, but that's not going to happen every year. You know, you, you don't pass on a, a on an impact player to get two depth guys. Now in the sense of a rebuilding team, Maybe that makes more sense, but I mean, by all accounts, the Vikings have said they're not rebuilding and all their moves are saying they're not in a rebuild mode. You know, you lock in the quarterback, you know, you bring back Patrick Peterson. I don't think Peterson's back if he thinks it's a rebuild. Um, And especially as much as he came here for Mike Zimmer and he stayed through that coaching change. So there's a lot um, going on with the team that again, suggests they're not in rebuild. It's there are a couple pieces away. Um, not, again, I'm not saying that they're Super Bowl contenders, but they, you know, San Francisco made made the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo, um, <laughs> and you know, I don't think anyone's putting Garoppolo on the same playing field as Kirk Cousins. In case I it'll forget be, to go ahead, it'll be interesting to see how this how Questy decides or how the Vikings pick this draft because this is the first time that like an okay, I don't want to say this because he always says analytic minded is not great, but this is kind of the first time that an analytic minded GM has been in charge, even though he says he takes everyone into consideration has been in charge of choosing, you know, players in the draft. So it'll be interesting to see if who he chooses and how they kind of turn out differ from the previous yeah, it's he's an economist picking football players. Right. And that, I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh so there's nothing wrong with saying analytics. I think he just doesn't like to be put in that that box. Uh right. every every time he talks, he uses the word value. So that that's married very dis- uh, distinctively to analytics, but I think he would say a value-based GM um if you had to do adjectives. Uh Ron, in case I forget, last year at this time, um Rashawn Slater was your guy. And that would have been correct if the Vikings could have figured out a way to do it. So is, is Stingley, is that your guy for this year or is, who is it? So yes, I would say Stingley's the one, um, you know, Gardner being that one B um, and Hamilton. Those are my three um, that again, not that I think they're the best three players in the draft while I do think they're very close, but Mm -hmm. as far as, um, team need and positional value. Those are the three that I think would, um, would come in right away and be that most, the most impactful player. Okay. Yeah. I've been thinking about that all week and I thought I'd wait till the show to ask, uh, Hey, Brian, (laughs) Brian, if you were a general manager, uh, would you all of the time draft draft the best player available, or is there something to be said about the roster need of a team? I wouldn't do that all the time. I would sometimes go for the roster need to try to fill that void. Um, Instead of letting that drag out, you know, throughout the season. And it also just depends on what player I have in that position already. Okay. For if I'm going to get, like, based on the best player available. If I already have a great player, you know, in that position, there's no need for me to, you know, double stack it. So probably a team need is more often. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Uh, let's let's move on. Cora, I'm going to ask you this first. Um, the, the Vikings hired Kevin O'Connell right after his Super Bowl triumph with Sean McVay. Matthew Stafford out in Hollywood. And now we have an offensive first offensive minded enterprise rather than eight years of defense, always football. I want to know if you had to identify one player on the current roster who stands to benefit the most from the arrival of Kevin O'Connell, who would it be? 
So I actually looked at this as a good benefit. And then I saw just because it was impact. So a good impact and a bad impact. So I have two answers. (laughs) First, I think it has to be Kirk Cousins for the positive because he's got an offensive line. He's got an offensive minded head coach. There's going to be, there's already a relationship built. Um, I feel like he will have the potentially it'll feel like the biggest impact on him. Um, Also, we, you know, the pure fact that we have upgraded from some of the worst guards to average guards is very, very beneficial. Um, And I think that player who feel the impact the most negatively might be Harrison Smith, not because he's going to like perform worse or anything like that, but he's kind of he was Zimmer's guy. And so he was always the one that was like running around the field, doing his own thing. Like players would say that like, Oh, Harrison just kind of came in and did his own thing. And we weren't sure what he was doing, but it worked. And so I feel like they might rein him in a little bit just to not that they don't trust him, but just to, it, it probably won't be his thing in all these defensive mastermind things that Zim had. And so I think Smith will probably feel it more negatively because he isn't going to be the guy anymore. He yeah. still will be, but he won't be, you know, Zim's favorite player basically. Yeah. And then you said too, the fact that he is ticking up there in age, the, the yeah. drop off is going to come at some point. We just hope that it goes on forever. Uh, <laughs> so Ron Cora has cousins stands to benefit the most and then the potential of maybe a little bit of a hitman sacrifice what do you got for the stands to benefit the most good sir okay um well first i'll not gonna you know crap on your opinion at all but i'll just give the alternate theory on the harrison smith side so in the ed donatel defense in that three four vic Fangio style um you know for those who follow the Broncos, Justin Simmons is their safety that plays in that mold of Harrison Smith. Now, over the past few years, he's been one of the best safeties in the NFL. Now, I know the I think if anything, it's going to be more of the age with Harrison Smith that's going to get to him because he's not going to be able to do those things that he was a la Troy Polamalu, um, you know, going from being that impact dominant player to all of a sudden losing that little bit of a step. But I think the the way that he'll be able to be used around the field um I'm not going to say it's going to be more beneficial because Zimmer is a unique mind, uh, but I don't think you're going to see much of a drop off in that. Um, I think there will be a lot to maneuver around for him, but the one who I actually will think may be negatively impacted um, depending on what they do up front uh, might be Eric Kendricks. Um, Cause going from a four, three to three, four, you know, um, you know, Brian, your time with Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis is one of the greatest of all times, but he mentioned the importance of having big guys up front to let him do what he's able to do. Now I know Kendricks played three, four at UCLA, but college is a lot different than the pros. Um, I mean, UCLA, um, you know, when you're going up against Washington state and, you know, Oregon state and those teams that might not, you know, be the USC's of the world, um, three, four is going to be a lot different there than it is in the NFL. So that's the one I can, that concerns me, especially with him, um, also being a little longer in the tooth. Um, now, as far as the positive impact, hundred percent agree with the Kirk, um, aspect of it but i'm going to go a different route and i'm going to say justin jefferson as asinine as that as it may be um he was a wide receiver in a run first offense under zimmer where again they they 
didn't give him the ball enough. Like it wasn't not saying we're going to have a Randy ratio here where, you know, 50% of the balls go to him, which again, that's, that seems light to me. Uh, but uh, it, he's going to have so much more creativity. Um, and again, I look at him and Cooper cup, not taking anything away from Cooper cup. Jefferson is a far superior athlete um far superior talent than cooper cup and if cooper cup's able to break those records um you know in la why can't jefferson put up similar numbers here now again when you're one of the best receivers over the first two years of your career it's hard to get it's going to be hard to eclipse that in year three but at least aesthetics wise there's going to be a lot of you know he'll be force fed in a lot of ways um that will show his talent, show his ability, and it'll show that, you know, Kirk's not just, you know, you know, third and six, we're going to do a three yard out to the fullback. I think that was more offense rather than it was the quarterback, but I think there's going to be a little bit more freedom there. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I write so much for Vikings territory that today I had just a mini inflection point that Justin Jefferson is 22 years old. Yep. I mean, it's, it's almost like for age wise, you're getting a rookie. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's mind boggling. You, you would think by now that he's established such a firm resume that it'd be tempting to be like, Oh yeah, he's 24, 25 by now. Nope. <laughs> 22. Uh, I think that KJ Osborne stands to benefit the most from Kevin O'Connell. And that's because last year he did great. He had 687 receiving yards and it, we had a WR three for the first time in years. And it felt like a cute, cool perk. Well, that's not the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be WR3 is a bona fide performer that is guaranteed to get five touchdowns in about 600, 700 yards. So I think with O'Connell that WR3 isn't just a uh, you know, little icing on the top. It's going to be mandated that this dude, you're going to make plays. You're going to be there on third down. When Thielen's hurt in the Detroit game, you're going to come <laughs> in and beat the WR2. So I think that because an offensive-minded head coach is going to – you know, whisk into fruition a WR3 rather than the Vikings leaning so heavily on Thielen and Diggs for multiple years. I think he stands to benefit. And the same could be said to a lesser degree to Amir Smith-Marset if he indeed is the WR4, because that's another thing. In a Ramsey-in offense, it's not just three dudes and then some guy, BC Johnson, that might get 10 catches. It's usually the WR4 is in there and it plays. So I think the the, the wide receivers who aren't so obvious in Thielen and Jefferson stand to benefit offensively. Uh, Cora, I, I said uh, we wanted to have you bring a topic or a question to the show. Hit us with it if you remembered. All right. So this one's a little, this one I thought of uh, this week when someone had posted Kirk in a Viking picture. It's going to be an individual player or a position, but who do you think would make the best actual Viking? Oh my goodness. I have Hmm. two people. Uh, on On the team? Yep. On the team or position group in general. Okay. Well, for me, as far as a player, and this is just, um, again, from the little bit that I know of him, but Harrison Phillips to me stands out as that kind of guy. Um, you know, very, uh, what's the guy's the mountain from game of Thrones guy. What's, um, yeah. Like he kind of, you know, the, that looks like he was a, a high school wrestler clearly has that upper body strength, you know, no neck type of guy. Um, that's the one that, that comes to mind for me. Ooh, uh, so th- I wish you'd asked this a month ago because then I could have said by- <laughs> on looks Tyler Conklin. 
Yeah, because he <laughs> that's, usually, that's true too. <laughs> yep, he has the hair and the face paint. Um, yeah, I, I wish. Uh, and a funny story about that is when my wife was first getting into football in the 2015 season. Uh, what was his name? Clay Matthews still played for the uh, the Packers, and she used to say like he looks like an actual Viking. Like, you know, they should sign him. This was before she knew about the, the absolute hatred of a rivalry. I was like, no, oh, we can't really do that. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think he has the look. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I would have to say Conklin, but then after that, I'm, I, when I heard you preface this question, I thought about looks. So after that, <clears throat> even though Vikings didn't really have a darker skin tone, probably Eric Kendricks, just the way that the hair kind of flows out of the helmet a little bit. Uh, that's what I'd go with based on, on, on looks. I like that question. I had, I didn't go off looks. I just mm-hmm. went off like okay. attitude. So I went off of Harrison Smith. Yeah. I feel like he would just, I don't know. He would, he probably would, you know, be, he would be the leaf Erickson. Of the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been watching the Viking shows on Netflix, which is why I thought of this. Yeah. And then um Brian O'Neill, because mm. he's in the tackle position and he's like, you know, you would think big guy defending, <laughs> you know, he's got feistiness and feast or feistiness to him. So those are the two that I thought of. Okay. All right, cool. All right. And then finally, BMAC, I wanted to uh, off air. I asked you about the feasibility of getting Kirk Cousins on this show because that dude has been doing interviews with like everybody you could imagine. Have you have you made any headway, sir? Yeah. So I hit Tom the other day and I hit him again before I came on the show. And he sent me an email to Jeff Anderson and said, Jeff Anderson handles all that. So to reach out to him. On the day that Jeff Anderson got promoted, huh? <laughs> yeah. And I was at eight. He's only got 8,000 something <laughs> followers on Twitter. So now's the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today, Jeff Anderson was promoted to, was it vice president of something? Exactly. In- the, the Bob Hagen role, essentially, yeah. whatever that, that is. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So you, you think it's somewhat realistic, BMAC? I guess I'm going to email him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't know he got promoted today. Jeff Anderson yeah. did, yeah, and I don't know what uh, I don't know if Kirk felt a little bit more secure after this contract extension, but as soon as that happened, going on everybody's show, and then like even on some fans' YouTube channels, he's just hopping on there, and I'm like, whoa, boy, this is getting out of control. We need to get in. Right. So, all right, anything else for the group tonight? So, is 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 that just a rumor? I see Odell Beckham to Green Bay. Is that just a rumor? Uh yeah. Right now, it's a rumor, but it's a credible one. Because, okay. yep, because the Packers lost Devontae Adams, or they traded him, I should say. And right now they're doing this little hype train. They're like, well, Alan Lazard can be our WR1. Um, so they don't really have wide receivers right now. So they're forced to explore free agency or the draft. And uh, when Odell was a free agent last year, after he ended that stint with the Browns, it was basically either the Rams or the Packers that he went to. Okay. And he, uh, like when he was being courted by the or by the Packers, like it was Devontae Adams doing the all-out press for him, like, "Hey, come here!" And now, now Adams isn't there, so um, <laughs> you know that's kind of and you know coming off the ACL, um, you know that happened two months ago, um, right? You know, two months ago for you know a wide receiver approaching thirty. Um, while I wish him the best, and I hope he can get back, you know, to have that's that. Right. I forgot about that. That career revitalization, but. Uh, um, 
I personally, I think him and Landry are going to be a package deal somewhere. And I don't want to see that on the Packers. Um, because, yeah, no. um, mainly like, I think Jarvis Landry is a vastly underrated player here. Like going back to when he's drafted by Miami, like, yeah, yeah, like the dude, like, I honestly, I think he's better than Odell. Odell makes the spectacular catches. Um, yes, but Landry's been nothing but consistent. 90 catches, 90 to hundred catches, thousand plus yards. Um, that perfect slot guy and his career is going to, um, he reminds me of what Brian, I don't know if you played with this guy at Miami, but Devon Bess, he reminds me of what Devon Bess could have been, um, when he was coming out of Hawaii, obviously. Um, but, uh, just, Catches everything in sight, very shifty in the slot, makes people miss. Um, and that's, you know, Landry is that another LSU guy, obviously, but him and Beckham obviously are very close. So I think they'll be on the same team again. Yep. And then remember for the Packers planning, they have the 22nd and the 28th pick. So if they don't do Packers things and ignore that need for wide receiver, they can, they can draft two draft one, trade up and get a good one, really good one, or rely on free agency with Beckham, Landry, or some of those other dudes. But I will say this, um, you know, I know we talked last week. Um, I'll go ahead and eat some crow on the dig staying in Buffalo on a massive deal <laughs> um, where I said that teams aren't paying quarterbacks and wide receivers. And um, sure enough, they did, but have fun paying that contract when he's 35 years old. So, And he's there. He's going to retire at Bills. Uh mm-hmm. I think that's the goal. Unless he forces his way out when, uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, any, any time. Not going to lie. The, that made me kind of sad for the rest of his life. Anytime that uh, he wants something different, he's going to do that tweeting shit. Cause it mm-hmm. works. It works. It yep. does. Yep. And it's, it's not, not going to work when he's 33 years old. Yeah, though. And, it's not the uh, way I'll and... teach my kids to do it, but it, no. it's working for him. So, all right, that's all yeah. we got um, for believe in Vikings. Uh, we'll be back next week, which should be, well, we'll see. We'll see if cousins, can actually join us and then on the 20th of april we have jordan reed in for our annual draft chat with him and he is a beautiful mind when it comes to this stuff so that's all we got skull baby oh later have a good one have a good one Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.